Hi, I'm Jacqueline Kinser, and for the past five years, I've been helping families all around the globe to overcome their breastfeeding challenges. And this is the first non-clinical breastfeeding podcast that shows you how to rock breastfeeding and master motherhood through practical tips, mindset shifts, and honest conversation to create a confident and empowering breastfeeding journey. This is the Breastfeeding Talk Podcast. Welcome back to the Breastfeeding Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Kinser, and today I am joined by Dr. Molly Hayes. Um, I'm super excited to connect with her because she's an airway-centric dentist. She's also a mom of four in Omaha, Nebraska, and she's given up the practice of traditional dentistry to focus on helping children sleep, breathe, and function better with the Healthy Start series of appliances. And she's also trained through the Breathe Institute, which I'm a huge fan of, um, to become an infant tongue tie release provider as well. So she loves educating parents on how to make healthy habits for facial development and uh, making those things easy and doable. So I'm really excited to bring Dr. Molly on today for an exciting conversation about many things dental. Um, children, adults, we're going to cover several things today. So hi, Molly. Thanks for being Hello. here. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's going to be it's going to be packed. I don't think that we're going to take a second to come up for air during this conversation. <laughs> Probably not. No, but yeah, gosh. So you have kids of your own. I um, do. Are they young kids? Are they a little bit grown? I have, I have children seven and under, and I actually have our baby number five on the way. So, oh, congrats. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. So it's, it's noisy and it's fun. And my, my oldest two children are the reason that I, I'm even doing all of this. So children, okay. they, they, cha- they change your life and, and sometimes they change your, your career. Yes, absolutely. So yeah. In what way did they set you out on this path? Yeah. So my oldest just turned seven and I just always assumed that I would nurse my babies and that it was like going to be the most natural thing in the world. Um, that I would basically like be like a scene in a movie, just like out in nature and it was gonna be beautiful and natural. And it was just the opposite. Um, We left the hospital after 48 hours and everything seemed fine. But like the second we got home, she just wouldn't latch, not like having a hard time latching or it was painful. Like she wouldn't do it. And so you panic when your baby hasn't eaten, your newborn hasn't eaten for two hours. Um, We go to the pediatrician for that first initial like two or three day checkup. And, um, I had two lactation consultants come into the pediatrician's office, the doctor, nurses, and, and nobody looked under her tongue. And I'm a dentist, but I had no inclination to look under her tongue either. Um, I now know that my oldest has, um, has a severe tongue tie that we're working through, but that was the root cause, but she was bottle fed from day one and, you know, had a lot of issues, um, with that. And then the same thing happened to my second baby. And I just thought it's just me. I just can't nurse. There's something about me. Um, there just wasn't a lot of support six and seven years ago. Um, yeah. for, for, I felt like I didn't have a lot of support and this was in, you know, the city of Chicago where there should have been ample resources. Right. Um, but my second baby, he ended up, um, you know, he was bottle fed too, because he wasn't nursing and he ended up in the hospital from aspiration pneumonia. So he was basically choking on his bottle the whole time. And I just had no idea. Um, until it was really bad. And so as a result, he needed a feeding tube. Um, 
And he wasn't ever sucking on a bottle, wasn't nursing for like three months of his life. And as a result, his face changed. Like my beautiful baby boy with this beautiful round face and big eyes very quickly got like an elongated face and his nose looked like it was shrinking. And so that's, that was the beginning of it. Started going down this rabbit hole of what happened. Well, you don't use the muscles of your face, but baby isn't actively sucking on something. Those muscles atrophy and the face changes. And um, it was both fascinating and heartbreaking as, as a dentist, it was just fascinating. And then as his mother, I felt so responsible um, that I should have gotten to the root cause of why he couldn't nurse, of why my first couldn't nurse. It would have changed everything for us. Um, so I just felt like the pain that was associated with all of that couldn't be wasted. And so it was a long time before I finally made the the, the full switch to airway dentistry. I did a lot of reading and a lot of research before um, I, I kind of gave all that drill and fill up. Um, but here I am. It took a few years to get here, but it was worth it. Oh, yes, absolutely. And, you know, your journey parallels so many of us that are working in this space of supporting breastfeeding families, right? We typically have had our own struggles and made career shifts to entirely new careers or transitioning the type of care that we're giving. And, you know, I just think it's so inspirational. And I really think, um, you know, not that you can't be a great airway dentist if you haven't personally gone through this, but you have this uh, incredible way of counseling your patients, right? And mm-hmm. and the parents and just, you know, giving them this insight that you have because you've been there too. So I absolutely I, love that. I, I I've learned a lot, you know, um the the courses I've taken and the the books that I've read and all the podcasts. Um, you know, like I've given up Netflix completely. I just <laughs> consu- just I I can't stop consuming all this. It's so interesting and it's it's endless. It's an endless rabbit hole with no end. Um, but really at the end of the day, it's everything that I've seen my kids go through, um, from babies until now that, um, that really helps me help parents because, you know, I have to remind myself of of how much I do know. Um, a lot of people come in their blank slates. I have no idea, no idea what's going on with my child. And it, it usually doesn't take me too long to figure out what's going on. Um, you know, prolonged pacifier use and thumb sucking and tongue ties and, and large tonsils. And um, so just to, to be able to give relief to parents because of what I've seen with my own kids um, is, I don't know, it's, it's endless joy to just be able to solve problems that have been ignored. A lot of parents feel like they're passed around providers or the problems are kind of put under the rug, um, or it's, it's normal. <laughs> they'll grow Every out of day. it. <laughs> Every it's, day. They'll, I know. they'll grow out of it. Yeah. So just to be able to provide that relief is just, um, I don't know. I couldn't ask for anything more. Oh, I know. It's amazing. It, it, it really is the best. Like for anyone who's listening, who, um, is on like the patient or client side of things. Like we truly love when we just give you that even validation of everything you've sensed with your mom gut is wrong. And mm-hmm. you're like, Oh, I finally have an answer. It's like mm-hmm. the most satisfying thing for us as providers. 
Um, but yeah, I want to dive in and talk about, cause you mentioned one of your children, you, you saw these changes in the face with, with bottle use and, and not using those, um, facial and oral muscles and the way that we're sort of designed to be using them. Um, and then you mentioned prolonged pacifier use. I think those are two really, really important things to address because the reality is, is that most families are going to end up using bottles at some point, mm-hmm. um, you know, usually because there's a need to be separated from the baby. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean it's all or nothing. So many families end up exclusively pumping because they just have not gotten great breastfeeding support. Maybe they have, you know, a baby with special medical needs. There's multiple reasons. Um, so we're not here to say bottles are terrible and you're going to ruin your child. Yes. Some bottles are better than others. Yes. Bottle feeding technique matters, but <laughs> I would love to hear your dental perspective on bottles and pacifiers because, you know, it just, it's a really important topic and there's so many to choose from. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The heart behind the I'm on podcast is storytelling because every mom has a story to tell. I know that when I talk to my friends who are parenting and we share stories, we all end up feeling less alone and more capable of loving our kids well. You can find information everywhere on the internet. Some is bad parenting advice and some is pretty wise. We like to think there's a lot of wisdom on imom.com. And when you combine that signature wisdom with a great story, it brings parenting to life. We want a mom who's listening to see herself and her kids in these stories and rest in the confidence that she is the perfect mom for her kids. Check out the iMom podcast with new episodes every Monday. Yeah. Oh, it is. It's really overwhelming. And all four of my children have, have received a bottle at some point in their life. And so, um, there's never any shame or judgment because you're right. I think bottles are necessary. That's why we have a team of lactation consultants and, um, baby feeding specialists to kind of help, uh, parents choose the right bottles. And, um, you know, like you said, the way that you feed matters. And that's, it's definitely not my area of expertise, but I've learned a lot. So, um, yeah. From a dental perspective, if a baby can get off of a bottle by the age of one, if pediatrician says it's okay, if if baby no longer needs, you know, that as their primary source of nutrition, I think it's for the best to get off that bottle by age one. We have teeth coming in, we are we're forming that face. And the reality is, is that the face really doesn't form well around bottles uh, like they do with the breast. Um, and same thing goes for pacifiers. Ideally, if you can start weaning your baby off of a pacifier at six months, you will thank yourself in the long run. I know that sounds really early, but if you start at six months, the reality is it's probably going to take you maybe a couple months, maybe you know up to a year to fully get your baby off of a pacifier, depending on your baby's temperament. Some babies are fine to let go of it right away, and some take a little bit longer. Some parents are okay with the cold turkey method of just taking it away. Some parents are a little bit nervous to do that. Losing sleep is a big deal when you have a baby. Um, so I say if you start at six months and and that baby can let go of the pacifier by one year, you're really going to think yourself in the long run. Yeah. And why is that? Because if you're going beyond a year with a bottle or a pacifier, you know, there's some some negative consequences of using those longer term. Yeah, the teeth, the the front teeth, baby teeth are going to come in first. And with a pacifier hanging out of their mouth all the time, um, those teeth actually form around the pacifier. Um, it's pretty amazing. Um, they're, the palate, the, the top jaw, the roof of the mouth is very moldable in that first year of life, um, even in the first like three years of life. 
it's kind of like molding clay. If you put your, your finger very gently on your baby's palate, you'll notice it's really soft. If you put your finger in your own mouth and touch your palate, it's not soft. It's hard. Um, so that palate is molding and we want to use that to our advantage to grow a nice broad uh, mouth, which leads to a broad airway. But if we let a child hang on to a pacifier until they're one and a half, two, even three, um, those front teeth are actually going to form around the pacifier into um, a malaligned bite um, that can cause a lot of problems because it's so moldable. So we can either use this to our advantage or our disadvantage if we're letting a child hang on to bottles and pacifiers for too long. Mm, yeah, absolutely. No, it makes so much sense when you think about it, um, especially with how narrow those particular nipples can be. And right. even if they're made out of silicone, they're not really as soft and squishy as something like the breast would be. So right, a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. And as you um, asked about brands, um, I... I've learned from a lot of my lactation consultant friends that the, the Ninny pacifier is a really great choice. But, you know, from a dental perspective, I, I try not to get too hung up on brands and more just the timing um, and the proper use of pacifiers. Um, if you can just introduce a pacifier to help your baby go to sleep at night, and then if it falls out, leave it out, um, you're going to be better off than you're just giving your baby a pacifier every single time they're fussy. And, and never giving your baby a pacifier when they're clearly hungry, you know, just to kind of like get them by, um, you know, it's, it's more about when and how you use it and when you can let go of it. I, yeah, I agree. I think that's really true too. And some people will say, well, my baby won't take this type or what have you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's reasons for that. Right. But again, it's more about how you use it, not which one you're using. Exactly. Yeah. The, the suck reflex is important. It's very comforting for babies in those first few months of life. Um, but what we see more often than not is just an improper use of the pacifier. Right. Makes sense. Um, I know I've read some articles about this and it's not necessarily specifically my area, but you're a dentist. Um, there's some concerns I know about dental caries, cavities, right, with pacifier use too. Um, I mean, I know they can easily fall on the floor and usually we're trying to clean those. There's pacifier wipes, right? But like, I don't see many parents really washing them between every use, to be honest <laughs> right. with you. It's not like a really big concern. Um, you know, for, for dental caries, not for me. I mean, okay. for, for other reasons, probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> the, yeah. The, the process that begins cavity formation, um, you know, it's, it's complicated. Like it's, it's all, there's a lot of things that have to come together for it, a cavity to form. And so, um, to oversimplify it and say pacifiers cause cavities, Breastfeeding causes cavities. It's too oversimplified for me because um, the the formation of cavities, many things have to come together in this perfect storm in order for for that to happen. Yeah. Well, there there is this big idea that's still propagated <laughs> out there about breastfeeding causing cavities. Yeah, I hear it a lot. <laughs> Tell us what some of those things are that have to come together for cavities to form, and why breastfeeding is not this you know, terrible demon that's out to ruin our children's teeth. Right. Well, let's just say this. Once a tooth comes into the mouth, it can get a cavity. And um, by the time teeth come into the mouth between, it can be anywhere from four to 12 months, that first tooth. It's a big range of normal. So if you have a four-month-old with their first tooth, 
your four-month-old can get a cavity because it's no longer protected underneath the gum line. So cavities form when we start to create an acidic environment in our mouth. We have to have that acidic environment. And so what creates an acidic environment? Well, it's food um, and breast milk counts as a food. So can breast milk cause a cavity? Yes, but other things have to have to be in play. We need um, a weakened tooth surface. Um, it has to be susceptible to attack from decay. Um, so perfectly healthy enamel doesn't just get a cavity. There has to be kind of a weakening of that tooth structure first. Um, and more often than not, what I see in my practice is weak enamel due to mouth breathing. What causes mouth breathing in babies? Well, tethered oral tissues, lip and tongue ties cause mouth breathing. Um, you know, but there's there's a lot of other things that that can cause that tooth to weaken. Um, if you give your baby like Cheerios or um, like those little puffs crackers, those are all little enamel decomposers. I promise you, if you read the ingredients, you won't be surprised that these little baby snacks um, have enough just kind of junk in them to to weaken the enamel. So. If your baby is mouth breathing and you're also nursing at night, and let's say your baby has a lip tie that can act as a kind of a nice little trap for breast milk to get caught under that lip, your baby can get cavities there. And and so, you know, like I said, it's just not that simple to say, oh, you're breastfeeding at night, um, you're this is what's causing cavities. More often than not, I'm seeing it in in uh, babies and toddlers who are mouth breathing. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. And is the mouth breathing because there's not as much moisture against the teeth with saliva, so the mouth is drying out? Is it exactly okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, mouth breathing causes the saliva to change um, and also decrease in quantity. Saliva is our mouth's best friend when it comes to keeping us cavity free. It's delivering minerals constantly, just bathing the teeth in these good things. And so we see it in older people too, as we get older and, and, you know, sometimes have to go on many medications that will, will cause dry mouth. And so we see the geriatric population get more cavities, um, than not. And, and it goes back to the dry mouth. So, um, Children who mouth breathe are not getting that saliva delivered to their teeth and they're missing out on all those minerals. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And then I, you know, I've, it's come up before and I've had moms ask me and, and I guess I haven't looked too deep into the research on it. So I don't know a good answer. So maybe you can give one, but there, I guess there's maybe been some sort of link between antibiotics and susceptibility to cavities. And I have a lot of moms who are really worried about, oh no, I had antibiotics while I was pregnant or in labor. That's why my child has cavities. And I think moms are quick to like blame themselves for things, but you know, is there any causal relationship there at all? You know, um, and the antibiotics are not my, my forte either, but what I do know is that gut health is imperative to good oral health because it's connected. Your mouth is the beginning of your gut. And so in patients that have any kind of gut issues, um, you know, Crohn's disease, um, any kind of, any kind of gut issues at all, we see cavities. If you cannot absorb nutrients in your gut, those nutrients are not getting to your mouth and we need vitamin D and vitamin K2, especially to keep healthy teeth. And so if you're, you're eating all the right things, but you have an undiagnosed gut issue that's causing all these nutrients to just be wasted, your teeth are going to suffer because they have to go to your gut to get to your teeth. 
and you know, um, I think overuse of antibiotics and, and gut issues. I think it's pretty clear that there's that link. Um, there's a lot of things that do happen, you know, during prenatal development. Um, the mom's health does impact her baby's teeth, but you know, it's just no, no need to be blaming ourselves. We're just doing the best we can. And, um, the best advice I can give every mother is just to just keep her nutrition up um, during those nine months. Make sure you're eating a lot of, um, you know, animal foods, eat your meat, eat your liver. My midwife has me eating liver every single week. I have to log that I ate my liver. Um, and, and just keeping your nutrition up, just do the best you can. And sometimes things happen and we can't predict them. So you just have to do your best. It makes sense. It really does. It's funny because this morning I was listening to um, a podcast called Back at It, which is about spine health. Um, Now I'm like a junkie on that since I've had my own (laughs) spine surgery and issues. But one of the stories they were having somebody tell about their experience was, you know, he, he was not an older guy, I think thirties or something, maybe early forties. And, um, when he was preparing to do this surgery that he was going to have, they did a bone density test and his bone density was not good. And the doctor was like, you're going to need to change your diet and Mm -hmm. spend a year doing that. And also, um, you know, exercise weight, weight lifting is, is very important for that bone strength and development. Mm -hmm. And, um, within six months he had recovered enough, um, bone density exceeded his previous number through diet, things like calcium rich foods, right. And through, you know, physical activity, which like you're saying that jaw movement, right. That diet, Mm -hmm. like those things are so important, not just for the jaw, but the teeth Mm -hmm. as well. So, you know, I, I think what you said too, about acidity is important because reflux is like Mm -hmm. a really common thing for babies. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it goes away before they start getting teeth, but not always. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's another factor that can also be caused by things like tongue tie. Yes. (laughs) Right. Yep. Yeah. You just have to dig a little bit. (laughs) It's so rough. Right. So, so many factors, like you said, which I love it. It's not like just, you know, sugar equals cavities. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, if it did, I would be in big trouble (laughs) because I, I like sweets and I'm not perfect. Um, you know, and my family isn't perfect, but you just have to prioritize nutrition 80% of the time. And if you do that, you can expect good results. Yeah. I think that's totally fair, right? It's like, it's not, it's not sexy. It's not necessarily (laughs) even really easy, but like, it's, yeah, it's just the basics. It's not. And I meet a lot of parents who I, I think they're almost like afraid um, of the backlash that they're going to get at home, you know, with like older kids, oh. if you're, if your kids are used to getting goldfish for a snack, of course, it's not going to be easy, but you just, you have to say what's worse, you know, in the long run. Um, because the truth is that these, these processed foods have changed over the last decade. Um, you know, I was a kid of the eighties and nineties and I grew up on pop tarts and, Gushers and Dunkaroos and all that really great stuff. Yep. <laughs> and like really never got a cavity. Um, you know, maybe a couple here and there, but something's changed. Um, and, and these foods are not the same. And so we just have we we're 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 swimming this uphill battle right now. So we have to be, we have to do the hard things. We don't have a choice. Um, so it is hard, but the sooner you start it with your kids, the easier it's gonna be. And you just kind of have to, you have to stick to your guns and you have to throw that stuff away and you have to watch your kids do it. 
and you, you have to have kind of those hard conversations, you know, if your children are able to understand that. Um, and if not, I'm always here to help you have the hard conversations. <laughs> yes. I love that. We can like have you be the bad guy. And then <laughs> I love being the bad guy for parents. Are you kidding me? That's my job. That's what you pay me to do when you come in. Um, you know, it, you have to, you have to be a little bit more extreme than you think you need to be. Mm, yeah. And, and to what you said about like, you know, the mother's health, you know, can, can affect, um, you know, her children's dental health and obviously health overall. And I know that you're, um, really one to talk a lot about like prenatal and postpartum oral health. And I think, you know, in terms of pregnancy and we have a fair amount of pregnant moms who listen to the podcast, you know, I think we're aware, like your gums could bleed more when you're pregnant, but kind of stops there. Like what, what do we Mm -hmm. need to know prenatally, even just for our own dental health? Because, you know, in postpartum too, right. There's so many changes with, with hormones and things Mm -hmm. and, you know, sleep deprivation and all of that. I don't know as much as I'd like to know. So yeah. Tell us us about that. I know. And I think that, I think a lot of dentists will tell pregnant women that their bleeding gums are normal and just kind of have to suffer through it. Um, well, bleeding gums are never normal. Um, so this could be a temporary hormonal change. Absolutely. But for our pregnant patients, we have them coming in for cleanings with a hygienist every three to four months during their pregnancy and postpartum, just so that we can help them clean below the gum line because bleeding gums will always mean there's a problem. There's inflammation below the gum line. It's, you know, a lot of hormones pumping blood and now your body's making more blood, um, and so that shows up in the mouth, but, um, we had them coming in more frequently just to make sure that their bleeding gums don't lead to bone loss because that can happen if you're not diligent about cleaning your teeth, brushing with an electric brush, flossing, seeing your dentist during your pregnancy, your gum inflammation. The next step is for your bone to actually like lower and dissolve the to- the bone that is supporting your tooth the root of your tooth, two thirds of your tooth is below the gum line and it's anchored by bone. And so that inflammation is an attack on the bone. And I would absolutely hate to see women do this beautiful thing by bringing life into the world and then suffer like loose teeth. That's called periodontal disease. And and we do see it secondary to pregnancy gingivitis a lot. So we just recommend that you come in more frequently for your cleanings, Um, vitamin C and collagen imperative during your pregnancy for gum health course, you always want to check with your, your, um, primary care doctor about how to get that vitamin C. I just eat a ton of fruit. I'm just eating oranges right now and grapefruit. Like it's my job and peppers, um, but vitamin C and collagen for gum health. And then a lot of women will see cavities pop up postpartum. It's, you know, it's those hormonal changes, or if you were really sick during your first trimester, um, all that vomit, um, can erode the enamel. I know that during my first trimesters, I've always just wanted bread around the clock. So your diet is maybe not as good. So um, you have to be just a little bit more diligent and you have to work with a dentist who's going to partner with you and and kind of tailor that care to your particular um, prenatal and postnatal needs. Oh, yeah, that's that's really good advice. You know, um, I myself have recovered from bleeding gums through just, you know, yep finding a dentist that didn't just 
say what was happening, but actually mm-hmm. told me how to manage it on my own at home. Good. Good. Um, yeah. They would, you know, kind of check, you know, the gum pockets and, oh, mm-hmm. you're bleeding a lot. And then like, would you like a free toothbrush? Goodbye. We'll see you in six months. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, hey, I mean, what does that red, mean? Red right? flag. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. Gum, gum, gum measurements, good place to start. Always want a baseline. Um, but we do take pregnancy gingivitis pretty seriously here because that bacteria that is, you know, you know, it's inflammation always that inflammation that is in your mouth is going to your, your baby. Um, and it's going to every part of your body. It's going to your heart. Um, so like, you know, your home care just has to be perfect. Unfortunately, during pregnancy, which is not always the time that you feel like being perfect with your home care. Um, but, but it's really important that, um, you keep healthy gums for a healthy baby. We do see women who have periodontal disease, um, more severe gum disease, give birth to um, lower weight babies. Sometimes they are preterm. So there's a lot of consequences to leaving periodontal disease um, during your pregnancy. Mm, wow. Yeah, absolutely. Go to the dentist, ladies. That's what Yes, we're... go to the dentist. <laughs> there's, yeah, a lot of, you know, a lot of women want to shy away from it, I think, because because we yeah. don't do x-rays, um, you know, and we, we try to steer away from dental work unless it's, you know, needed. Um, but you should go get your cleanings, go see your hygienist every three to four months. It's so important. They'll be your best friend. Yeah, ab- absolutely. You know, I think that's, you know, something, something to consider, right. Is, is there's still something to do? It's worth going, even if you absolutely can't get worth you know, going. certain things. So yep, yeah, agreed. Good point. Well, I'd love to dive back into the topic of airway because it's all connected. And, you know, this is something you're super passionate about. And um, I know you obviously do phrenectomy, right? So there's mm-hmm. that. Um, and you're, you know, looking for ties, assessing for those. You've got other ways to manage airway issues um, beyond infancy, right? So tell us a little bit more about like what you're seeing in your practice and, um, you know, how things are going with, with, airway. Like you said, there's Mm -hmm. been some big changes, you know, whether it's foods over the last 10 years, but also growth in this knowledge in the field. So Mm -hmm. it's exciting. It is really exciting. When I first um, decided to become a healthy start provider, um, you know, like I said, I did it so that I could help my children. So I thought at the very least, I'll be able to help two kids. Um, I I started, yes, I started and then it was like dozens of children per week. I, you know, started seeing all these symptoms. Healthy Start says nine out of 10 kids have at least one symptom of sleep disordered breathing. And I thought, no way. Do 90% of my patients have sleep disordered breathing? But then you go through the training and it's like, well, it might be more like nine and a half, 10 out of 10 kids have sleep, a uh, sign of sleep disordered breathing. Um, so it, it could be that now I'm looking for it. Now I'm seeing it. But there definitely seems to be kind of a shift with shrinking jaws, um, which is leading to more crowded teeth, um, which leads to more airway issues, more dysfunction with chewing, swallowing, breathing. Um, so yeah, most of most of the kids that come in here, you know, look like happy, healthy kids. Um, and then when I look in their mouth, the things that I see are enlarged tonsils, baby teeth that are touching. Um, tightness under the tongue. They have a really hard time touching their palate with their tongue. Um, and then mom and dad say they're tossing and turning. Um, they've been potty trained for years, but they still wet the bed. 
waking up in the middle of the night, night terrors, feeling really groggy in the morning, suffering in school, and they weren't before. Um, and I put all these pieces together. And the answer is your child isn't sleeping well at all. You think that you tuck your child in and you don't see them until morning and they're getting a great night's sleep and they're actually never getting a full night's rest. They're getting maybe a couple of hours of good rest when children, as we know, need so much sleep to grow and thrive and develop. And without it, they're just not their best and they're suffering other health issues as a consequence. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a lot. And, you know, like you said, you're, you're noticing, you know, the tension under the tongue, like when you see these, these children, you know, who are beyond infancy and they're having these issues, how common is it for you to see no oral ties in those children? Um, you know, right now I would say it's just right at about 50%. I see tension and, um, we, we have our, our newborns here and we do, you know, we do the phrenectomies, um, pretty quickly, you know, we want to get them some chiropractic care, see a lactation consultant, but you know, all of that's happening hopefully in a couple weeks or less because we want baby to start breastfeeding really well and thriving and mom and dad are frustrated and we're looking for answers. But with children, you know, it's a little bit of a different process. Um, we're working very closely with a myologist. Um, myology is, it's not new, but my goodness, it's come into the spotlight lately. And I just can't sing the praises of myologists enough. Um, they're really helping us, um, release providers, you know, a avoid releases because who wants to have their child go through that if you don't have to. So they can work kind of like a physical therapist to, to help the tongue function better. And if we need to do a release, then they're our go-to provider to help prepare for that release and then care for the patient after. Um, but to get back to your question, yeah, it's it's probably about half the kids I'm seeing have tension under the tongue. And I don't say you have a tongue tie. I say you have tension under your tongue. You have a lot of symptoms that are associated with a dysfunctional tongue. The next step for children uh, four years and older is to see a myologist. Now there's kind of this gap right now. Um, if myologists can't work with a child until they're four, because they really need to be active participants in that therapy, um, then what do we do? Well, I use right. the Healthy Start Habit Corrector, and we can start as early as two. We get a lot more luck around three, um, getting these kids to use this nighttime appliance called a habit corrector. It's a tongue positioner. It's a natural expander. Um, it's, it's correcting all those bad habits basically. So we lean on that habit corrector a lot for children who can't go into myology and we, and we use it in conjunction with myology too, um, for older children, but that's kind of a nice uh, tool to use to fill in the gaps for those kids are, who are not ready for myology. Yes. Yes. I love that. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of parents who, you know, maybe find out, um, you know, it's baby number two and they're like, oh, my toddler obviously has this too, but you know, they're not old enough to get mm -hmm. certain treatment. So they feel like, you know, they're just sort of left in the lurch and have to wait. Yeah. So there, there are some in-between options, which is really nice. Um, and sometimes, you know, depending on the kiddo and compliance, you might have to wait until they are a bit older, but mm -hmm. you know, they've made it this far. So like <laughs> right, as much right. as we can try to preserve and improve, you know, before that time, I think is totally fair too. Yeah. Sometimes we're just kind of helping children along. There's the habit corrector. Um, Maya Munchie is a great tool. Um, you know, I use it kind of as an interim tool. It's not going to be our end all be all, but it is, it is a good tool. 
supporting your child um, to to learn to breathe through their nose by doing daily nasal rinses. A lot of these kids are just really congested and they just need their boogers washed out. So rinsing out the nose every night, it's part of it's part of our routine at home. Before we brush our teeth, we rinse our nose. Um, you know, and then going back to nutrition, let's chew on carrots and apples and steak and things that challenge our jaws instead of opting all the time for like applesauce and yogurt and mushy foods. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's really important. And then, you know, even thinking about, you know, babies around six months and they're beginning solid foods, you know, um, it's totally appropriate to start with mashed foods and purees because you're, you don't want to go from totally liquid to totally solid. Um, there should be kind of a progression, right? We want to make sure mm-hmm. that they're, you know, safely swallowing and, and things of that nature, right? Um, but yeah, we do want to get, you know, even your baby off of, you know, quote unquote, baby foods, right? Mm-hmm. So like, what are some of your first favorites for that, you know, second half of infancy? Yeah, I think avocado was my go to with my last kiddos, because I did everything wrong with my first, um, you know, she got like, I think she got like the rice cereal. I can't even believe I did that. Um, <laughs> but that's what I was told. <laughs> um, you know, I have really been into reading um, all the books about baby led weaning. And it just as a as an airway focused dentist, baby led weaning makes a lot of sense to me. Um, you know, it's it's you can introduce these harder foods, just kind of um, you have to learn how to serve it to baby and and how you cut it. You know, you're actually not gonna give baby like these really small cut up pieces. It's counterintuitive. You you hand them, you know, like um like a strip of steak, you know, at an age age appropriate. You know, check out baby led weaning books, but um, I think avocados were always like my go-to with um, with my last two. <laughs> yes, yes. Just perfectly mushy and all the good nutrients. Avocados are like nature's perfect food. It's it's a crowd favorite for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh my goodness. You are just like such a well-rounded wealth of knowledge. And Oh, you're sweet. <laughs> yeah, I I love it. We we just could talk about so many different things and and you know could keep going for sure. Um, I do want to tell our audience about your not only beautiful, but super educational and informative Instagram feed. <laughs> you guys you. have to go to Dr. Molly Hayes. There's no like you know, underscores or anything, just DR Molly Hayes. Like it's just so good. And thank you. I have a lot of fun doing it. And, um, I, you know, I, I have a lot of fun watching people, you know, kind of comment and send messages that they've tried something and it's working and, you know, my, my page is definitely not for, for, for medical advice only, but I love making a difference. And that's what, that's why I'll keep posting. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. No, it's, it's great. And, and it's just those nice little, like, if you just, if you just like follow and you see it in your feed and it's like a good little reminder, a good little tidbit, right? Like just to yeah. kind of there in the background, like, Hey, yeah, you know, like here's let's, a nice little nugget of information. Let's keep it simple because gosh, it's so hard, isn't it? Like, I, I think it's hard. I feel like, you know, parenting these kids in this day and age, it's, it, it's heavy. Um, so I, I want to make this easy and, um, and not overwhelming. It's always my goal is to keep it simple and, and, and to be, be your cheerleader. Yes. Oh gosh. Well, if there's any, just, you know, really 
piece of wisdom or advice or, you know, a really important point that you would want to leave our listeners with? Um, I'd love to hear what that is. Oh boy. I have so many things, you know, I think, um, go back to the basics, just go back to the basics. I think a lot about like how, um, my great grandmother lived her life and cared for her children. And I think it's a complicated world. This is a, this is a new world with screens and you know, it's very modern world. Just go back to the basics. I love that. Yeah. I think simple is, is a really good way to go. We can overcomplicate things. We really can. Yeah. Yep. It's tempting. Everything around is. us is telling us to do yeah, that. More, more stuff, do more. <laughs> and I, I really want to encourage people to just do less. Um, the second I let go of a lot of the stuff um, that I thought I had to do as a parent is really when I became a better parent, you know, um, we dropped all activities for our kids ever since last summer. You know, they're they're still little. And so I felt like it was an okay thing to do. And the relief I felt of not having to go to swimming lessons and dance lessons, you know, and have like this calendar that kept my life in order. Um, I was a more present mom. Um, we were able to cook every meal at home for for like weeks on end before we would have to order pizza, you know. So back to the basics don't feel like you have to overcomplicate your life. And, and I feel like you'll find that joy in parenthood again, and, and your kids will be healthier for it. Oh, I love that. Well, you're Keep just the best. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, we'll link up your website and your Instagram in the show notes. So that way it's easy for Thank people you. to click and find you. But yeah, if anyone is in the Omaha area, definitely check out Dr. Molly Hayes. And I appreciate you sharing so much great information with us on the show. You are today. welcome. Thank you, Jacqueline. Did you know most moms stop breastfeeding in the first month postpartum? I believe succeeding at breastfeeding means having the right mindset. In fact, studies show that the number one factor that determines breastfeeding success is commitment, which is why I've created my incredible audio download of breastfeeding affirmations where I give you actionable mantras so you can breastfeed your baby with confidence and peace of mind. And best of all, it's free. To get access to this audio and PDF, simply visit holisticlactation.com slash mantras, and you can get started right now.